Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th day of November 2022. Happy Friday, even though this is going to post on Thursday. Why? Because I'm just, I screwed up the time this week and because of the election and wanting things to be relevant and things are changing so fast and blah, 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 you know, just better safe than sorry. We'll be back to normal Monday, probably, but I appreciate you listening. Uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. The regular week in F and review will be up at midnight. You'll get it. You'll get it. And uh, it'll be all about the election and everything, everything that's going on. So check that out. Enter the contest to win the autographed Gene Simmons book or Judge Janine book. Up to you. But uh, yeah, this show's going to have something to tick off everybody because I'm just in the mood. I'm just in a mood, so let's get started before we can start the drinking on the weekend. Lots of stuff going on. There's a bunch of things to talk about today, and one of the most amazing things is the inability of people to know election results. Third world countries that put seashells in buckets have election results faster than we have them out of various states. Bill writes it, as a matter of fact, it's a good jumping off point. Bill sends an email. We were told, he's out of Pennsylvania, we were told it might take as long as two weeks to get the results in Pennsylvania, but they knew by 10 o'clock. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It is very weird. It's all very weird. And we're still, we're looking at a situation where the vote counting in Arizona is what? Where is the vote counting in Arizona? They moved... I believe it was a total of four percentage points yesterday. Four percentage points in the counting. They won't know till the weekend, possibly next week. We just don't know. It's impossible to tell. Who can tell? Here in Maryland, still waiting on some results. Did David Trone win? Let me look and see if David Trone has won yet or not, because you would think that we would know these sorts of things. And we're still waiting. Sitting at, according to the Associated Press, sitting at 73%. 73%. There is, you know, the... Um, they're waiting on results from Montgomery County. See, the, the district goes into two counties, Frederick County and Montgomery County. Frederick County is the conservative county. Montgomery County is the liberal county. And it's weird. It's weird how these things are still undecided, and it's always where the liberals are. Hmm. A bit curious, you might say. So what is going on here? We don't know. It's threat to democracy, I've been reliably told, to even ask what the hell is going on. But somebody's got to get to the bottom of this, how it is that Florida, our third most populous state, can know, well, I don't know, by 10 o'clock, a couple hours of the uh, polls closing, have the results in, yet Arizona, our 14th most populous state is telling you that, who knows, eventually, maybe sooner or later, we're hoping that uh, 
we will be able to figure out who won this thing. And I repeat it again. Human beings are not counting. These aren't hand counts. These are machine counts. The machines are counting. Oh, there's still a lot of vote out there. There's st- where? Why is there still a lot of vote out there? Well, we've got the mail-in ballots, and we've got absentee ballots, and then we've got these other ballots, and we've got the ballots of people who uh, were confused and maybe showed up to two places. We gave them provisional ballots, and we had the ballots of people who couldn't prove who they were, and so we got this, that, and the other thing. And then we've got to set aside ballots uh, that, uh, and this was one of the things they used to argue and they were uh, claiming was going to cause the delay in Pennsylvania. Well, it's a very confusing vote-by-mail system in Pennsylvania, what with you have to fill out the ballot, stick it in an envelope, and then sign and date the ballot. Yeah, that's a just if that's a bridge too far for you, I don't want you voting. All right? if, if that's a bridge too far for you, you need to purchase exclusively slip-on shoes because the... Uh, the bunny going through the hole and making the rabbit ears is going to be way too complicated for you. But we're told, and the Fetterman campaign, it's kind of funny, whatever happened to that lawsuit, they sued to insist that those votes be counted because of the name of democracy. The name of democracy. Now, I don't know what the state of that lawsuit is. I imagine now that Fetterman has been declared the winner, And Oz has conceded that the Fetterman campaign doesn't give a damn. But are you telling me that there are tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians across the state who the Fetterman campaign is a matter of principle is not going to continue the fight once they get what they want? They don't want to know. What about all the other up and down ballot races? What about getting an accurate count? What do we hear from Democrats nonstop? We have to make sure that every single vote counts every single vote well it depends if if they're ahead and somebody's calling for a recount they say they want to make sure that every legal vote counts if they're behind and they're fighting for a recount they say that they want to make sure that every every legal vote counts there's a difference between the two and fetterman was fighting for every vote to count not every legal vote to count he was fighting expressly as a matter of fact against the concept of there being a legal vote by negating it and saying that every vote should count seems to have dropped. The same sorts of things will be fought over in Nevada and in Arizona. They'll be fought over in the runoff election down in Georgia. It'll be a nonstop hypocrisy show. Both sides will be guilty of it to one degree or another, but it'll be funny to watch. Just ask yourself, what happened to that Fetterman lawsuit. Does he know if he wins, he doesn't care that every vote counts? No. No, they don't. Now, his margin of victory is like 200,000 votes, which lets you know that if you're going to travel across the country, you should probably, if you're going to drive it, go around, go down, go south, go anywhere, avoid Pennsylvania. If they're going to elect a guy like brain-damaged Frankenstein, you... uh, by a margin of 200,000, the odds are against you coming in. They're good people. They're good people in, in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Why they're still there, I don't know. But there are some good people. They should probably get the hell out of there as best they can. But it is rather curious. 
how they told us one thing and then something else happened. The second, see, they call races the second a Democrat gets ahead. This was one of the things that the Republican team knew in 2000 down in Florida. It never happened. Al Gore was desperately trying to make it happen. If you remember, they wanted certain votes counted only in certain areas of the state. They didn't want to look in Republican areas. They knew where the votes were. They thought that they could get the votes to make up the 537 difference or whatever it was. And that was it. That was all they wanted. And the second they would have gotten ahead, had they gotten ahead, there were plans in place, they would have declared victory. That was it. The second didn't matter. Stop the counting once they get ahead. Count till you get the numbers you want, then stop counting. And that's it. That was the plan. Republicans fought tooth and nail back when they knew how to fight and won and prevented that from happening. And thank God they did. Could you imagine Al Gore as president of the United States on 9-11? How different that would have been. Ugh. Horrifying. But we are. We're looking at a situation where we still don't know so many of these things. So many of these results. It's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment to the country. But the Democrats don't care. We've got a situation, what have we got? How many uh, votes are out there? 96% of the votes are in, and there's like 60 votes separating Lauren Boebert and her Democrat challenger. And you're going, what the hell? How is it? Count the votes. How about you count the votes? Don't know. California, having difficulty. We're getting results out of them very slowly. But the uh, Arizona governor's race, eh, no rush, no real concern to get these things. Now, these people will tell you. What do they tell you? You're a fool. You're a damned fool. You're a conspiracy theorist and perhaps history's greatest monster. If you dare question any election results whatsoever having anything to do with any election anywhere in the United States, if a Republican or if a Democrat wins, that's it. Those, those are the rules. Yet these people do everything you would think if you look at it and it's just, you know, half the population has a little bit of a question about the election integrity. Half the population looks at these things and thinks it is a little bit curious that it takes so long to do this. You would think that that would cause the other half to go, well, we'll show them. We'll do it. And we'll do it quickly. And you'll get the same results. And you, you'll be surprised. You'll... But no. The other side has no sense of urgency whatsoever. The Democrat Secretary of State in Arizona is the Democrat running for governor in the state of Arizona, Katie Hobbs. She has no incentive. She's ahead slightly at the moment. So if they're sitting at 67% of the vote in and she's ahead, there's no reason to hurry up. Why? Well, remember what I told you about Florida. George W. Bush was always ahead in Florida. That ended up being the truth. There was no, the New York Times went in and uh, counted everything in every possible way, and there was no scenario in which Al Gore got ahead. 
But the impression with the American people was for the 47 days or whatever it was, Al Gore challenged that election back when it was cool and okay to challenge election results. The impression was and the story was and the truth was George W. Bush is ahead. George W. Bush is winning and or has won, and Al Gore is fighting to change that. Now, that was with 100% of the vote in, and Al Gore was literally trying to change that by trying to change votes, manufacture votes, get illegal votes counted, do everything he could, while simultaneously doing everything he could to disqualify overseas absentee military ballots. That's one thing Democrats really do all the time. It's kind of gross. But uh, they don't really care for the military, so it's not surprising. But the impression was the truth. George W. Bush had won, and Al Gore was fighting to overturn the results of the election. If you can stop or slow the vote count for when you're ahead long enough, you will then give the voters the impression that you've won. Therefore, when other that way, when other votes come in that maybe... Um, flip that script and you want to challenge the results or what have you or just sort of demonize and discredit your opponent for future gain or partisan spite or whatever you've already laid the groundwork for it the longer Katie I don't know who's going to win the governor of Arizona but if it ends up being Carrie Lake and we don't find out until next week that Carrie Lake won you will have Democrats. You can't say, well, it's beyond the pale. They would never do. There's nothing beyond the pale for Democrats. You will have Democrats saying, well, she fought, she overturned it. What they really want is some lawsuits from the Lake campaign. They want some unfavorable decisions so that if things go awry for the Democrats, they will be able to do what they did to Donald Trump and say, illegitimate, illegitimate. We've got a, it was a, Russian hoax that did it. In this case, it'll be she stole the election. She sued her way to victory. She disqualified things, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's amazing, but you have to remember. You think, well, that's a little ballsy. There's nobody who would do that. No, you have to remember it's all about perception. Everything is about perception. You get an idea into somebody's head. It is nearly impossible to get that idea out of somebody's head. Think of any of the fake news stories that you've heard of over the past 10 years. Donald Trump said that he doesn't want to go to Normandy on D-Day because losers are buried there on the beaches of Normandy. Losers! Nobody, even the Trump haters who were in the room, said he didn't say that. That's not true at all. The Secret Service came out and said, no, we couldn't fly the helicopter. It would have been a logistical nightmare. And the Atlantic stood by the story. That story is still gospel. To so, How many people out there on the left still preach the Russian collusion hoax? How many of them? It's been proven to be false. It's not just not proven to be true. It's been proven to be false. We know the people who started it. We know how they started it. Because, you know, they don't say so publicly, but when they're under oath, under threat of perjury, they, they fessed up to it. And still people believe that. The idea that Donald Trump Jr. got secret early access to the WikiLeaks emails from the Clinton campaign. That was a story CNN, CBS, Washington Post. They all ran with it. They all independently verified it. My God, can you believe this? Before None of them checked the date on the email. It was a week after the uh, emails had been released. And it was some rando dude 
who guessed at Donald Trump's email address and sent him the link and said, you need to see this. People still believe the lie because the lie was able to fester out there. The truth has no no place in liberal politics. So they need to establish that they're ahead because then when it goes awry, if it goes awry, they can then say they stole the election because election denialism is absolutely, totally cool if a Democrat does it. Those are the rules, man. Those are the rules. So what Republicans have to do, they've got to make sure that the impression never sets in until it's done, until it's over. And then they got to accept that it's, it's over. But uh, we'll sit there and we'll watch these results slowly roll in, slowly seem to be manufactured. It is worth noting that the people in charge of all of these things that are taking their sweet-ass time, that are having the difficulty... Again, not counting, reading machines, reading, feeding, feeding machines and then reading the numbers the machines put out. We're noting that they are all controlled by Democrats. But uh, the President of the United States spoke yesterday. He held a press conference, his first press conference on U.S. soil since January. January. John Fetterman has answered more press questions than Joe Biden has. That's the the brain damage Olympics. Fetterman reaches the top of the podium, at least so far. It is ongoing, sadly. So we shall see. But Joe Biden did come out and start answering some questions. One is a pretty basic thing that most presidents get. Look, You can say it wasn't as bad a night as it was projected to be for Democrats, but there's no planet on which it was a good night for Democrats. It just isn't. Just, you know, uh, sorry, Democrats listening, but it it wasn't a good night, except for that it's not that bad. It's like, well, your, your house burned down, but on the good news front, we managed to save some of your clothes. Okay, that's, I suppose, technically good i suppose but you know the photo albums are gone the uh the the heirlooms damaged but you got a couple of pairs of pants so there's that that's kind of how you look at it and how you should look at it if you're a democrat but joe biden is incapable of learning he just is and i'm don't mean to be rude about the man, but he is suffering from dementia, so it's not like he's going to know. So he was asked the basic question that every president in this situation, because there's really only been one president in our lifetimes who has not, uh, who's had a, a good night on their first midterms. George W. Bush, 2002, actually Republicans picked up seats in the House. That never happens, never happens, but it was just after 9-11, and so the Republicans were able to ride that to election victory. The sentiments were not there for, you know, listening to these Democrats and going, oh, you know what, we are, uh, we do suck. Al-Qaeda had a point. So they, they voted for Republicans. No such swell like that. It's not like Democrats won seats in any way, shape, or form. So he was asked what you would expect to ask. Okay, well, you've done what you've done. The first two years of a term, especially when your party controls Congress, is when you get 
most of your stuff done. Parties change in Congress. You don't get nearly as much as you want. You certainly don't get all that you want. You got to tone it back. You can, you can be a D-bag the first two years, and then you got to go, wait a second, if I want to get anything done, I might have to actually compromise with a Republican or a Democrat or whatever. Joe has no interest in that. He's taking all the wrong lessons, as you might expect from an idiot. He is taking all the wrong lessons from the election. He's asked what he would change, what he'll change going forward, and it's nothing. He'll change nothing. And you know why he'll change nothing? Because you, the American public, are just too damn stupid. You don't know what he's doing yet, but you'll see, and don't worry, you'll come. All, it's, all he has to do is wait. And then eventually, our dumbasses will wise up and see the genius that is Joe Biden. You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. and In fact, 75% of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction, despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. Do you know anybody who wants us to get rid of the change we made on prescription drug prices and raise prices again? Do you know anybody who wants us to walk away from building those roads and bridges and, and the Internet and so on? I don't, I, I don't know. I think that the problem is the major piece of legislation we passed, and some of it bipartisan, takes time to be recognized. Yeah, the problem is nobody. Yeah, no, there's been no discussion whatsoever of your legislative uh, goings on. I can't really call them accomplishment. Legislative goings on. Personally, I would like to see you um, lose the price controls on drugs because I know that's going to screw over the future. And I would like to continue and encourage the uh, research and development of new drugs. But that's just me. I know how the pharmaceutical business works, whereas you're hoping that the American public are just a bunch of illiterate morons who don't. But it is worth noting that nobody, oh, the roads and bridges, what a straw man he builds up. Well, what do we want to not build the roads and bridges? Nobody's saying that. Infrastructure bill was tried to be passed for quite a long time, dating back all the way to George W. Bush. Democrats blocked it when George W. Bush was president. Then Republicans blocked it when Barack Obama was president. Then Democrats blocked it when Donald Trump was president. And then you had the, the Congress, and so you passed it. Congratulations. You did something that everybody sort of agreed needed to be done, but you... Uh, you blocked it to the point that it couldn't be done unless and until you had absolute control of Congress. Congratulations. And then you had to do it through reconciliation. So congratulations. Now, that was all. They say, oh, it was so important that we did this infrastructure thing. Then why'd you block it for so long? He was a part of the filibuster under the Bush attempt to pass infrastructure reform and infrastructure legislation. Joe Biden was. So was Barack Obama. Doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. We got things done. We got things. You could have had these things done a long time ago. It wasn't about getting them done. It was about getting credit. But if you're not going to change a damn thing, 75% of the country thinks that the country's on the wrong track. And you think, well, it's just a matter of time. All you got to do is sit there and wait. All these idiots will figure it out later, sooner or later, that they've got it better than they ever had it before. You don't know how good you've got it. 
which is an incredibly ignorant thing for a president of the United States to say. A normal human being, an empathetic human being, would look at the situation, look at inflation, and at least pretend, since the president, no matter who the president is, is never really impacted by inflation. He'd sit there and he'd say, look, I understand inflation is hard. Joe always seems to be able to pull a lie out of his butt crack about, oh, when I was a kid and my daddy used to say, blah, 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 stupid is as stupid does. But he doesn't even bother with that. It's just, well, look, you just got to wait. You need to shut your mouth. You need to learn your place. You're all too stupid to know how good you've got it. But eventually, you will learn how good you've got it. And then I don't have to change anything. That's... That tells you that you learned nothing. His party did lose the election. Did they lose as bad as some pundits suggested they would? No. But he still lost. And he's acting like he won. It's like saying, well, the the Patriots were 20-point favorites in the Super Bowl over the Ravens, but they only won by... Seven. Therefore, it's really a victory for the Ravens because they lost by a lot less than everybody kind of thought that they would lose by. It doesn't make any sense. You transfer this logic to any other part of human existence, it doesn't make sense. It's laughable. But there's the President of the United States. We lost, but we didn't lose by that much. And therefore, I am going to declare victory and be like, Okay, you lost the Super Bowl. Why are you planning a ticker tape parade for your team? Now, if you just want to, I guess if you just want to celebrate that they made it to the Super Bowl. But traditionally, that's not what happens. That's not how people roll. That's not how cities roll. It's such a bizarre thing. I'm, I'm grateful for it because it helps further illustrate and everything, everything helps. Everything, it's all connected. The arrogance and ignorance of Joe Biden, right there. The American people did send a message. All the polling data, wrong track. People are sick of inflation. People, new parents are tired of not being able to find baby formula, not being able to stock up on baby formula, having limit when they do find baby formula, having a limit on that baby formula because there isn't enough to go around. Parents not happy with that. And Joe Biden's answer to them is, you just don't understand what he's doing. Shut your mouth. Things will get better. Well, things will technically get better. After the stock market crash in 1929, things did get better. They just didn't get back to how good they were before. Not for a very long time. FDR was seen as doing stuff starting in 1932 that started making things better. Historians have then fluffed him to the point that he is given credit for getting us out of the Great Depression. But in reality, his policies led to a deepening of the Depression. Now, the initial or the uh, individual symptoms certainly alleviated some when the government hires a whole bunch of people, for example, and the unemployment rate goes down. But that's false, temporary, and inflationary. But that's all beside the point. They can't hire everybody, too. FDR, trying to do something, ended up making things worse. Every other economic recession before that didn't turn into a depression because the 
Government, by and large, left the economy alone to correct itself, understanding that it is cyclical. Joe Biden, Democrats can't accept that they are not masters of the universe and they do not get to over... They are, think about what they're doing. They look at simple economic rules that are just universal. doesn't matter. Communism sucked. It was a horrible depression for the Soviet Union throughout the entire existence of the Soviet Union. They just hid it from everybody and their leaders lived well. But it was a disaster because of central planning. They thought that they could plan human nature, plan where things should be and what should go. It's the idea of progressivism. They believe that they can take your life and plan it better than you can and make you lead it in a way that is better for you, even though it's not. All of that crap comes from the same mentality. We know what's better for you. Don't worry about it. Making things better than they were does not mean things are good. They just mean that they're better. If you've got a hole in your boat and you're able to plug up half of it, you've still got water coming in. You've addressed part of it. Things are better, but you've still got water coming in. The president of the United States sitting there going, we're not going to change anything because we just need more time for these idiots to figure things out is not going to help him. It might help Republicans, but unfortunately, it's not going to help the country either because he's not willing to admit there is a problem. You can't fix a problem if you're not willing to admit there is a problem. So he doesn't see inflation as a problem. He doesn't see the rising unemployment as a problem. He doesn't seem to think that the American people do anything but love him which is a huge, huge problem, till maybe 2024. A lot of people have been, because Biden is just singularly horrible, and the results are definitely not what people expected, and certainly not what a lot of you wanted. So I do get the messages, I do get the questions, what can we do, what do we do, how do we do it, and does it blame Trump? You know, I'm, I've been critical of President Trump, Ann Coulter is wildly critical of President Trump. If you really want to see a uh, a blasting of Donald Trump, check out Ann Coulter's column this week. But it uh, there's plenty of blame to go around. There's plenty of you know. There's Donald Trump could point out some bad candidates, support some bad candidates. Doctor Oz was not a particularly good candidate. It's a, he doesn't live in the state for God's sakes. For a start. That's a bit of a problem. Um, but people voted for him. That's the thing. Maybe you should stop, people should stop taking their orders from politicians, their suggestions. All right, well, I'll take that under consideration as one of many factors. But I don't think that Dr. Oz is particularly conservative, for example. So I'm not going to vote for him. I don't care who says I should vote for him. Herschel Walker still a chance to make him a United States senator, but if you looked at it, you have to sit there and think, was there not a single human being, one solitary soul in the entire state of Georgia who would have been a more compelling, better candidate? You have to understand that Donald Trump, first and foremost, is interested in Donald Trump. That's just It was endearing in 2016 when he was running... 
And it was funny. And I really loved watching things get, you know, the media just getting the business thrown right back in their face. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. But if you think back to, um, let me think of a good way to put this. You go back to the the glory days of, of television when there were only three networks. What was there? There were a bunch of TV show sitcoms, crummy. This, the sitcom model, the business model, it just wouldn't work. It doesn't. Seinfeld destroyed the business model of and the the structure of TV sitcoms. Made it better, way better, I think. But if you look at those TV sitcoms from the seventies and eighties, what was it? It was it was moderately amusing, not particularly funny, but. The real successful ones generally had things that were catchphrases, right? Arnold Schwartz, or not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold from uh, Different Strokes. What are you talking about, Willis? You still, you go to like thrift stores and everything, you run across mugs and t-shirts. What are you talking about, Willis? Um, uh, think of another one. Sweat hogs, catchphrase, uh, or Epstein, who, what, where, when. No, that, I guess that was uh, Barbarina. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. It's about my time. But there were all these catchphrases. And they swept the nation. Fonzie was the coolest thing in the world. Fonzie's still pretty cool. But Fonzie was like, man, chicks loved Fonzie and every guy wanted to be Fonzie. And I imagine for a time they're running around, people going, hey, and putting their thumbs up and doing so non-ironically. But after a little while, you move on. It becomes stale. It becomes a parody. To use a Happy Days analogy, it jumps the shark. You have to change the good sitcoms, the good shows, the good anything that have longevity evolve over time they don't rely on gimmicks maybe they get the gimmicks to start but then they eventually evolve into something else something deeper something better we all know people who peaked in high school and when you run into them every once in a while they're like wow you're still rocking the jordash and the feathered hair and everything because you know there was no year better than your junior year well junior year was pretty good but it wasn't that good there's some people like that they didn't keep growing. Donald Trump doesn't change because being Donald Trump is what Donald Trump does. It's what he's done his whole life. That appeals to some people wildly, and it grates on some people after a while. I was one of those people, when it first happened, oh, God, I loved it. I loved. I never thought that he'd win the nomination, but I did love watching him just call people out, especially the media, on their garbage. Just blasting them, ripping them. And for a long time, the media was right there with him going, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's him on Morning Joe. He was on Morning Joe all the time. The networks, the cable networks took him as a joke. And they said, this is great. It's like having a stand-up comic come on. And they'd let him call in and take up a whole hour over the phone. They'd blow out television commercials. It was a novelty. It was sweeping the nation. It was Beatles on Ed Sullivan. It was crazy. Then he won, and it didn't change. Now, he did great things as president, but it didn't change. And you sit there and you go, well, I'll take this. I'll take these results with the the shtick. I'll take the shtick, all right? I'll take the shtick to get the results. And after a while, the results started stopping. He started believing in 
President Fauci started swallowing that. He began to question some of it, but he went too far, in my mind, in, in believing in people who were wrong. And the shtick never really went away. The shtick was getting old. When there's certain times when the shtick, you got to get past the shtick, right? Like a funeral. You don't want to be the, you don't want to have Carrot Top at a funeral. Whatever Carrot Top's real name is, you want him to show up to the funeral and be respectful. You don't want a guy sitting in the back, hair as wide as humanly possible and, and pulling out props all the time, making jokes and blowing little horns and things like that. No, no, no. There's a time for that. There's a time to be serious, and it didn't seem as though to a lot of people who now look at it and go, Trump never changed. Trump doesn't, Trump is, look, you're not going to find very many people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who change. It's just not. There's not. It happens in the movies. Oh, they had this wonderful epiphany, but the movies aren't real life. People are set in their ways. Joe Biden isn't going to change. He's set in his, he doesn't know how to change. So if you're looking for a reason or you're wondering why it is or you want to blame, you can blame Trump. There's plenty of blame for Trump to go around. But it's not just Trump. People support him. People follow him. People listen to him. I don't have a problem with Trump per se. I don't have a problem with Trump supporters per se. I don't have a problem with anybody who is a Republican conservative per se. The problem is that if... You're only for one candidate, one potential outcome, and you that's it. You're taking your ball and going home. You aren't for the cause. You're for the person. Larry Hogan, you're sitting there, and I know that Trump supporters are getting a little bit mad. So another example, Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan is the exact same way. Larry Hogan is about Larry Hogan. That's all he really gives a damn about. Oh, I know. People out there despise Larry Hogan. But, hey, there's not much of a difference between him and a lot of other candidates. They're about themselves. One of the things that Larry does more than that is he articulates that he's also a little bit delusional in thinking that he's popular, way more popular than he is somehow. He's popular. He's more popular with Democrats. Larry Hogan was the most popular or the second most popular government governor in the state depend or in the country depending on the poll because Democrats loved him. Because it gave them the ability to say, I like a Republican, I like Larry Hogan, because he doesn't do anything. Larry Hogan didn't do anything conservative in this state. You can sit there and you can whine about how oh, I'm so conservative, you didn't do anything about it. You didn't try to elect Republicans to help you do anything about it. And in fact you never really got the uh, passed the vetoing majority they could override every one of your vetoes and they did so you were a non-entity you were just filling space as governor and you allow you were harmless you were harmless by the way robert costa over at uh, cbs news he tweeted this morning about larry hogan guy still really has delusions says News, Governor Hogan tells me what happened in the election moves him closer to a 24 bid, meaning 2024. Quote, I felt like I was on a lifeboat all by myself in the GOP with everybody on Trump's Titanic. Now we need a bigger boat. End quote. As Repo fellow Republicans reconsider, want 
a, to lead return to normal Republicans. Hogan says he was, quote, getting calls all night from donors and GOP officials who were, quote, they were saying it's a good night for Larry Hogan. He recalled with a laugh. It made me feel like all the stuff we've been saying and doing, there are people out there who agree. Yeah, they're called Democrats. They're called the uh, neocons. They're called the Lincoln Project. People Go with them, Larry. Go for it. Quote, I think there's a battle for which direction the Republican Party will go. My side of the party has had a really good night. This is how sick Larry Hogan is. My side of the party had a very good night, he says. Trump's side did not. Well, if that's how you look at it, Donald Trump did more to advance conservative causes than Larry Hogan could ever dream about. Wasn't even close. The problem with Trump is the fact that he loses focus, that he goes to rallies and does rallies for other candidates and 90% of it is about him. That's the shtick that wears thin, that gets old. And you just go, good God. He has the ability, showed it every once in a while, but he has the ability, you know what to do. Go out there and campaign hard for other candidates. Don't make it about you. Don't go to Ohio and say, oh, J.D. Vance, he just kisses my ass. That's what that's what Donald Trump said before the election. Now, would the election results have been better in Vance's favor or, or worse? If they if he hadn't done that, who knows? But it's embarrassing. It's not about you, or it shouldn't be about you. Now we're looking down the barrel of Donald Trump, claiming that he's going to have a major announcement on November 15th down at Mar-a-Lago, and everybody's saying this is when he's going to announce that he's running again. If Donald Trump has learned anything, and I don't know that Donald Trump has learned anything, he would not do this. If Donald Trump wants to matter, because with people who, you know, there's a lot of people who, for whom the shtick will never get old, but there are a lot more people who the shtick gets old. They're looking for something else. If Donald Trump wants to appeal to them, look, you can make a good living appealing to a very small people group of people who absolutely love you. You won't get far, you won't continue to advance unless you grow that, but if you, you can shrink it and, and still do all right. You won't win, but you'll still do all right. Maybe he just wants to matter. But if he wants to do anything and if he's serious about a 2024 run, he needs to postpone this. His energy, both in the public and behind the scenes, needs to be spent trying to win the runoff election in Georgia for Herschel Walker, the guy he convinced to run, the candidate he foisted upon the Republican Party down there. Instead, if you go back to, because he lost those two seats back in 2020. He did. In those runoff elections, Donald Trump was very, had a big piece of the responsibility for losing those seats. What do I mean? Well, he went there and he did a couple of events for Purdue and Leffler. And he spent most of the time talking about how he'd really won the election and how Governor Brian Kemp, who had just won, was uh, not good, bad, don't support him, don't trust him. And oh, by the way, there's really no point in voting unless he wins in Georgia. There's no point in voting in Georgia because the whole system is rigged and your vote won't count. 
And the people who believe every word that comes out of his mouth, and you shouldn't believe every word that comes out of any politician's mouth, the people who believed every word that came out of his mouth didn't vote. Why would they go vote? What's the point in trying if the system is rigged against you? Donald Trump has a make-good opportunity this year. Will he take it? I don't know. He'd have to postpone his January 15th announcement. I don't know if he has in him to put the interests of the party first. We shall see. But, uh, you know, how do you do that? What do you do with that? (sighs) You just do what you would do. I mean, it's not an answer. It's not the answer people were looking for. But you just do what you would do. Keep plowing ahead. Eventually, right wins out. Eventually. How long eventually takes, you never know. I want to play you something because I'm just, uh, I'm going through this audio. I, I just saw something on MSNBC. I didn't see it on MSNBC. I saw it on social media. Stacey Abrams lost. You want to talk about blind loyalty. You want to talk about stupidity. You want to talk about how weird and, and creepy blind loyalty to a politician is. The left would all collectively eat hemlock to uh, for Stacey Abrams. If she, she could create George uh, Jonestown again if she wanted. It was Abramsburg. She could easily do it. This morning on Morning Joe, Stace, uh, Simone Sanders something or other. She got married, so she's got a, a new last name. Simone Sanders Thompson. First of all, I'm so sick of this crap of, oh, black women know what it's like and it's so hard. Nobody has it as hard as a black woman. Shut up. Nobody, everybody's individual, individual story is unique. Spare me this, oh, this type of, and of course the panel all goes, oh yeah, no, no, nobody has it harder than black women. Nobody knows what it's like more to work more and not get any reward than a black woman. Spare me. But then Joe, because they're idiots over there on MSNBC, then goes through and compares Stacey Abrams to Moses. I kid you not. You can't make this up because you'd be you'd be institutionalized if you wrote fiction like this. But I swear to God, that's what happened. The work that Stacey Abrams did is the reason that Georgia was in play in 20, was is in play right now, and will continue to be in play for the cycles to come. And so sometimes you do not get to reap the immediate benefits for yourself of the work that you do. And I think that that is a story that black women all across this country know all too well. But people better stand up and give Stacey Abrams her That's right. That's right. By the way, Moses. Thank you. I lost my preacher. So I'll talk, I'll talk to my preacher. He left. Moses, he led the Jews to the promised land, but he didn't get there himself. He, he didn't get there himself, but God took care of Moses. Yes, Keep reading he did. the Bible. God oh. said, I will bury Moses. Y'all leave Moses alone and let Joshua keep going. And Stacy will get her due. God will reward Stacy. Anytime you see Ossoff and Walnock and Biden in Washington, you're looking at the work of Stacey Abrams. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Can I get an amen? What? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just like Moses. First of all, Stacey Abrams doesn't seem to have walked anywhere, let alone for a long time wandering in the desert. But spare me this crap. Yeah, no, God is all about the uh, abortion on demand because, you know, God is the first one to acknowledge that God makes a lot of mistakes. Huh? 
But you want to talk about a cult of personality. You want to talk about danger. You look at Stacey Abrams. She's God's going to take care of her. Now, in Reverend Al's Reverend, in Al Sharpton's view, it is true. I can't call the guy a reverend. But he, he look, Stacey Abrams was, take, was, in fact, taken care of in the way that Al Sharpton would view. Because Stacey Abrams has made a friggin' fortune. She is filthy rich now. She made millions of dollars. And that's what Al means. Look, God will take care of her. God did take care of her. Cut her a lot of money. Cut her a lot of money. Sold her a lot of semi-erotic romance novels that she wrote. <laughs> they sold. Why, I don't know. I'm sure you should probably look into how it is that Stacey Abrams became filthy rich from selling books nobody bought. But she had some nonprofits. I'm sure they bought a big chunk of them. And much like the former mayor of Baltimore, she probably had uh, political advisors advising people who wanted to suck up to the next governor of Georgia and buy her book. And it sold a lot that way. Healthy Holly Part 2, except she's not healthy. Anyway, corruption through and through. Never be loyal to politicians. Make them loyal to you. You know, what's funny about uh, MSNBC like comparing Stacey Abrams to Moses is that that wasn't the dumbest thing on the network. <laughs> In that 24-hour period, it wasn't. Katie Turr, who's still mad, probably, that her family, somewhere along the line, maybe when they came across Ellis Island, dropped the D from her last name. They had it convened in a post-election panel, and they're all sitting around. Even this got her looks, because you sit there and you go, "Well, Stacey Abrams is Moses." All right, fine. But if you say that maybe John Fetterman should run for president of the United States, you you get looks. Because I think I think honest Democrats look at the Fetterman victory and go, "I can't believe." I can't believe people voted for that guy. I, you know, they're grateful for the victory, but I think they're sitting there going, I honestly cannot believe that somebody voted, that the people voted for this guy. What in the hell is going on? But then Katie Turner says, maybe we should, we should look at, at uh, this guy for a potential presidential nominee. I'm not kidding. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president, um, I know there's some variables, obviously, <laughs> but just a, few. just a few. But I just, you know, it, it, what he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes it makes you wonder about his future. <laughs> it makes it. I hope it involves a lot of rehab if I'm wondering about his future. But otherwise, I'm not really wondering about his future. We've got to think about him seriously. I mean, there are obviously variables. Yeah, you know, he could die at any moment. He's prone to strokes and what have you. Okay, yeah, sure. But uh, the, you could hear the telling part isn't how stupid Katie Tour is. The telling part is the chuckling by the other panelists. And if you see the video, the kind of, oh, my God, you don't do this kind of look on the faces of the other ones who weren't openly chuckling. That chuckling and those looks indicate that these people know what they did. They know that Fetterman got elected by a lie. They know that Fetterman got elected because of a They lied about his health. He's fine. He's perfectly fine. Oh, no, no, come on, man. He's perfectly fine. 
They lied all the way through this thing. The only time anybody really got an honest look at Fetterman was the um, the debate. That was it. Otherwise, they did interviews and they hid the fact that they were setting up to have a teleprompter transcribe what they said to him. He was always remote. And he was always reading the thing. They knew it. They need the technical things to, to be involved. They knew what they were doing. They hid that from the people of Pennsylvania. They hid it. Voting had already been going on for like a month by the time the debate happened. But the reporters knew how bad he was. They'd seen him on the campaign trail. They'd seen him interact with voters to the extent that his wife would let him interact with voters. And they all, to a person, lied about it. Hid it. Oh, he appeared on podcasts. And he sounds perfectly normal. Why? Because you can edit the hell out of anything you want. Oh man, he went off on a three-minute rant that had no no made no sense whatsoever. Well, we'll just cut that out. What are you going to do? The world would never know. And remember how ticked off they got at that MSNBC NBC News reporter for saying, you know, he couldn't really engage in small talk. Well, maybe you're not good at small talk. Don't you shut up, you idiot. And all these people saying he was fine when he talked to me. There's no way on God's green earth he was fine when he talked to any of these people. They knowingly lied. So you get somebody up there saying, you know, we got to think about him for president. And they all just go, <laughs> look, we can drag a lot of people a lot of places and make up for a lot of ground. We can't drag that Frankenstein over the finish line for the presidency. Don't even, please, God, don't even ask us. Don't even think that. Bite your tongue. Just amazing these people are so corrupt uh lastly i want to play you this clip from cnbc speaking of corruption joe biden's student loan forgiveness program you'd think people who would be saving this money would be saving this money hey i'm living paycheck to paycheck and it's all the fault of the two hundred thousand dollars in student loan whatever now you're you're going to forgive that and i'm going to have to pay a couple hundred dollars less per month in my student loan repayment because joe biden couldn't quote unquote forgive it all and what happened well they found out that these people are not going to save this money they're going to piss it away they're going to go out to dinner they're going to live the dream they go all oh, right more disposable income why because these people were never living paycheck to paycheck these people lawyers these people have racked up student debt doctors they're just forgiven this money now uh, listen to this report to recipients of president biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to three hundred dollars a month in the coming weeks but get this 73 percent say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out and joining us now is the nbc tech check co-anchor deirdre bosa so deirdre why are people more inclined to spend the money they're saving on non-essentials instead of paying off their bills? I think we may know the answer. Well, that, that could be, according to one survey, but, it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. One financial coach tells CNBC.com that you should not use the loan forgiveness only for long-term goals. Your short-term self may get frustrated and give up on planning ahead altogether. So instead, they say, make sure your regular bills are paid, check in on your goals, and try to achieve a balance that also lets you invest in your future self. <laughs> invest in your future self live the dream man live the live high on the hog look you just got uh, no 300 cut to your student loan payments per month 
Man, uh, that's a couple of nice meals at a really good steakhouse. The hell are you doing? Yeah, remember, this was, you got to help middle class folks. Middle class folks. The vast majority of those people were not anywhere near middle class. A couple making $250,000 a year wasn't living paycheck to paycheck until Joe Biden came along and said, all right, even if they were, $300 a month. Now you've saved $300 a month. All right, great. Now I don't live paycheck to paycheck unless, you know, $300 a month is the difference maker or whatever. Like, spare me. They're going to live it up. Travel. I can see the world. Yeah. Sucker, taxpayer, you sucker. Good Lord. All right. That's enough for this week, I think. The Week in F and Review will be on Friday night at uh, 1201 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9.01 p.m. Pacific Time, and everywhere in between, wherever fine podcast, not wherever fine podcasts are sold, just at patreon.com slash Podcast or derrickhunter.locals.com. Five bucks a month. Enter to win the contest there while you're there. Judge Janine versus Gene Simmons autographs this week. Oh, man. Enjoy the weekend. We all deserve one, don't we? We'll see you later.